and one which is, is good and right and positive. And uh, we talked about those last time. Tonight we're going to look at a chapter entitled Overwhelmed by the Creator. Overwhelmed by the Creator. So we've seen, uh, like we mentioned a while ago, we've seen this last uh, couple of times this sinful fear, which we um, simply defined as a fear that drives us away from the Lord and away from relationship with Him. And we've also talked about a, a right fear, which is a fear that, that draws us into closer relationship with Him. And um, tonight we're going to actually look at a few different aspects of this right fear. We've got, how, how can we um, think about and look at and view the Lord in ways that helps us um, get and maintain this right fear of Him. And, and the two that we're going to look at tonight is God as Creator and God as Redeemer. So let's look uh, first at God as Creator. Um, so this is what the author has to say, first of all, starting off in this uh, section of the book. This, this, the first sort of right fear is the weak need and trembling response to the fact that God is the creator. So th this right fear results in this kind of awe and, and trembling um, before him, th this response to the fact that he is indeed God and we are not, and he has created all that exists. And so, um, it, like he said, this, this weak need and trembling response before him. There, there are two attributes of God that this really brings out. Uh, thinking about him as creator. First attribute of God is holy. And when we say that God is holy, we mean that he is, um, he is separate from or he is apart from, he's other than everything else that exists. Anything else in the universe. He is completely different. Right? There's nothing that exists that we can, can look at and say, you know, God is like that. He's exactly like that. There, it, it doesn't, there's nothing there. He's completely and totally holy. He's other than everything else. And he's holy in all of his attributes, all of his characteristics. So he is, he's holy in his um, mercy. There's no one or no thing that is merciful the way that God is merciful. He's holy in his justice. There's nothing or, or no one that is just the way that God is just. He's holy in his purity. There's nothing that, that is uh, as pure as God is pure. He's completely and perfectly holy. He's not like us or anything else that exists. The second uh, attribute we see is his transcendence. And this means that, that God is, uh, some of the words we use is that he's higher or he's further or he's, he's um, past or beyond or he's independent of his creation. He's outside of it. He's, um, it, we can't grasp with our minds all that God is or that he does. He's so much greater and higher, and, and, and his ways are greater and higher, you know, Isaiah says, than, 
than we are. So he, he transcends all that exists outside of himself. And again, these two attributes, they lead us to then this, this trembling response when we recognize who he is over against who we are. Um, this is the way, so John Calvin wrote in uh, he, this description of men in Scripture that we see that have this uh, a special um, a personal encounter with the Lord. And this is what he wrote. He said, men who normally remained firm and constant, when he manifests his glory, are so shaken and struck dumb as to be laid low by the dread of death. And they're, in fact, overwhelmed by it and almost annihilated. So these guys, we think about these guys in Scripture that have this encounter with the Lord and they drop to their face immediately, right? They have this reaction to him. We, we think about Isaiah. Uh, you remember when he had this, the, the vision of the Lord, he says, Woe is me, for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. The um, same thing, kind of thing with Ezekiel. It says, when, when he saw the likeness of the glory of the Lord, he saw it and fell on his face. Heard the voice of one speaking. He said, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. Um, a, another example is when, you remember Elijah, when he went up against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And um, the, the prophets of Baal, remember, they called out to the false god and said, come consume this sacrifice that we've prepared. Uh, and nothing happened. Then Elijah goes and he calls on the true God um, to come and to consume the sacrifice. And this is what it says happened. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Again, this idea of a, a holy, transcendent creator um, and, and how it leads us to respond to him. Uh, a couple of ways we can look at this, and it should lead to humility because of our frailty. Right? We, I mean, we are so small and so insignificant compared to who he is. Um, should lead to shame because of our sin. He's perfect in power and majesty and purity and, and righteousness, and we're not. And so we respond to God as creator. Um, leads us to, we have some responses we can see in Scripture. For example, Job, who said, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Or in the Psalms, where we read, O Lord, what is man that you regard him? Or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. What, it, such great illustrations there. Breath and a, a passing shadow. It's nothing. And so, as we said, these, this awe-inspired kind of the, the trembling, weak-kneed response uh, 
to God as creator, it, it's appropriate, and it's healthy, and it's right, and it's good. Um, but there is something that, that happens when we also understand that this holy, transcendent, creator God is also at the same time a kind and compassionate and merciful redeemer. Both of these things, because as the author says here, when we know God is redeemer, we're freed from all fears that this awesome and, and holy and transcendent creator, God is against us. And we're freed, in other words, to fully enjoy him as creator. So when we go from, we go, as scripture says, we go from being an enemy of God to being a child of God, it, may, it makes all the difference in the world of how we interact with this um, awesome, transcendent, holy God. We know he's a God of all power that created all things, but he's, he's also the God that gave his only son that we might be reconciled to him. Um, one example that the, the author cites here is uh, that of Jonathan Edwards. So Jonathan Edwards, um, he, he was a pastor, a theologian. Um, in the early 1700s, he was involved in the Great Awakening um, here. And, and a lot of people say that he's the, the most, uh, the greatest mind, intellect, that, that America has ever produced. And he said that he, in some of his writings, he talked about as a boy, uh, before he was converted, he wrote uh, of how he was so fearful, he was absolutely dreaded thunderstorms, hated thunderstorms. Um, just the, this, the, the sheer power that a, a storm can have and, and the thunder and the lightning and all of that stuff, he, and, and he sinfully feared this God who was powerful enough to, to create and, and control all these different elements. But then after he was converted and he was born again and knew God as Redeemer, he started to look at, at, at these thunderstorms in a totally different light. And he wrote this. Now, on the contrary, it rejoiced me, it, the, the thunderstorm. I felt God at the first appearance of a thunderstorm and used to take opportunity at such times to fix myself to view the clouds and see the lightnings play and hear the majestic and awful voice of God's thunder, which oftentimes was exceedingly entertaining, leading me to sweet contemplations of my great and glorious God. The viewpoint of, of creator God, it had shifted from this sinful fear that, that drove him away from him to this this right, loving fear of the Lord, even in the, the thunderstorm. Um, Charles Spurgeon used this analogy. He said, have you not often shrunk into yourself and said, great God, how terrible art thou? Not afraid, but full of delight, like a child who rejoices to see his father's wealth, his father's wisdom, his father's power, happy and at home, but feeling oh so little. That was a great illustration and analogy of comparison of, of earthly father to heavenly father. and It was a helpful way of thinking about it. So this, this sweet 
the sweetness of the, of the knowledge of God as Redeemer that transforms this sinful fear of God into a right fear of Him. Again, as, as uh, Dr. Reeves says it this way, safe in the knowledge that the awesome Creator is our tender Redeemer, Christians can delight themselves in the overwhelming majesty of the Creator. And, and he goes on to talk about how um, reflecting on God as Creator and, and Redeemer, it takes our minds and it takes our hearts away from ourselves and focuses them on the glory of God. It has that effect, and he, he it's kind of a long quote, but hang in there with me. He writes this. I thought this was a really good point to make. He says, the tragedy here is that such knowledge of God for its own sake is commonly treated by Christians as a cerebral and impractical luxury, right? So it's, it's not needed. Um, it's just in the line. It, it, it's old fancy book learning, right? It's not, um, it's not practical. Uh, we like books that show us how to. We like sermons, sermons that give us something to do, that they feel more productive. And, and those things in and of themselves are not wrong. They're not bad, right? The, there are duties of the Christian life. There are commands to obey. There are things to do for the Lord, absolutely. But, he writes, this is eternal life, that they know you. That they know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Quoting there from, from Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17. And so then he writes, amid our hectic lives, amid all our challenges and trials, it is the fresh contemplation of the glory of God that will bring the right, bigger, healthier, happier perspective to all we are going through. Having this fresh contemplation of the glory of God and thinking of Him. He, he gives another example at this point about another man of God from history, um, John Owen. Uh, John Owen was a Puritan. He was a, a writer and, and theologian. Um, and in, in the second half of his life, he dealt with a lot of heartache and a lot of sadness. Um, he, he faced a lot of resistance and, and strife in ministry in general. He, he was persecuted by by the government and what he was trying to do in his ministry. Um, and, and then he had a lot of personal loss. Um, I cannot, I can't imagine this. Uh, he and his wife Mary had 11 children. 11 children. And in his lifetime, he buried his wife and 10 of his 11 children. Um, a lot of heartache. And sorrow, and so the the how-to sermon that we just discussed, right? It's not gonna not gonna fix that. So how do we how do we process through it? How did he process through it? Um, well, this is what he wrote. Start here. Do any of us find decays in grace prevailing in us? 
Is there deadness or coldness or, or lukewarmness uh, in our feelings and our affections towards God? That's what he's talking about. A kind of spiritual stupidity and senselessness coming upon us. Then let us assure ourselves there is no better way for our healing and deliverance. Yea, no other way but this alone, namely the obtaining of a fresh view of the glory of Christ by faith and a steady abiding therein, abiding or, or remaining or making our home there, thinking of and reflecting on this glory of Christ. Constant contemplation of Christ and His glory, putting forth its transforming power unto the revival of all grace is the only relief in this case. So our mind's going to Him, right? He, him being God the Son in human flesh, his, his perfect life, his death, his resurrection, his, his session, or the, the fact that he, he's now sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for believers. His future return, all of these things we think of and, and contemplate and meditate on and we, we worship him. We see him as this transcendent creator God who is our redeemer. Dr. Reeves ends this chapter with uh, this statement. He says, Knowing God the redeemer in Christ will make our Christian fear distinct from the, from the fear shown by devotees of other gods. It is what we need if our fear is to be specifically and happily Christian. Right, so we've talked about this happy fear of God, this, this joy at a biblical right fear of who he is. And so tonight we've looked at being overwhelmed by this creator who's also the redeemer. Next week when we, when we come back, we're going to look at being overwhelmed by the father, the fact that he is a father to his children. So let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for these uh, verses tonight. We thank you for the truths uh, that we've read. Um, thank you for Dr. Reeves and his uh, work in, in putting this book together and, and pray that you would continue to use it, that, that we might learn and we might grow and we might worship. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.